Hello everyone, welcome to Sunny Side Up, an exclusive B2B podcast produced and promoted by Demand Metrics. Demand Metrics is a hyper-growing technographics and intent data company, and I am Ajit, Director of Marketing, Revenue Marketing, your host of the day. In today's tech-driven B2B market, sales is the biggest team playing at the forefront, and uh, marketers are seen there or playing their aces with well-equipped sales force. So how do they do it? Well, sales stack is the key for it. Wondering what is it you are still struggling to have a strategic yet advanced sales stack? Why not? Because we have Jeremy Donovan who's going to be here for your rescue. So be with us and let's dig it into more today uh, with our guest, Jeremy, who's been the SVP sales strategy and operations at SalesLoft, a sales management platform. Jeremy has been like a hyperactive multitasker and a tech-driven sales expert with over two decades of work experience in the domain, wherein he has helped some of the internationally recognized players to advance their sales operation and you know get their sales force future ready. So without wasting any more time, let me welcome our guest of the day, Jeremy Donovan. Hello, Jeremy. Welcome to the Demand Metrics Sunnyside podcast. And it's always a pleasure to have you here on our show. Hey, Ajit. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm sure you must be having some interesting stories to share about your professional experiences. So to kickstart off the show, why don't you tell us about your sales journey and your overall experience? And of course, about if you could speak about your current role and uh, what you look after sales loft. Sure. I, I would say I have a relatively untraditional or non-traditional journey in sales. Uh, most, I think, sales professionals got into sales in their 20s, I would assume. I really didn't get into sales in, probably until my late 30s. Wow. And maybe, yeah, right late 30s, I would say. I used to sell mangoes on the side of the road when I <laughs> grew up in Florida. So I guess that was sales as a, as a kid. But uh, I, I grew up and uh, wanted to be an engineer. So I was actually an electrical engineer for a few years I then worked in a variety of product-related jobs, product development, product management, some M&A work, product marketing, and then eventually was a CMO and a CRO. And then I found that my passion is actually to be kind of the right hand of a CRO, of a chief revenue officer, working on sales strategy and operations. So that's my focus these days uh, here at SalesLoft to help with our team on all sorts of things in that sales strategy and operations, inclusive of, of our tech stack, obviously, and forecasting and analytics, territory, you know, you name it, anything that's in sales strategy uh, is uh, I try to get my hands dirty on. So being into sales for so many years, uh, how do you look at this overall sales stack? And uh, do you really consider it as a sales accelerator? Oh, well, for sure. I mean, when I think of strategy, I think there's three elements, right? There's people and change, inclusive of change management and behaviors. There's process, which is pretty straightforward. And then obviously there's technology. And I do think technology obviously is a, is an enabler and an accelerator of, of, you know, sort of both people and process. So they're, they're all interrelated. There's so much, you know, in the tech world right now in the sales tech world that is, is helping salespeople. So yeah, I mean, at the very highest level, absolutely an enabler to productivity in terms of onboarding and ramping reps. And then once you've got existing reps in place to, to help them be more productive. Yeah, that's totally imperative. And, you know, where the sales for sales people to focus on, I would say. So as a sales thought leader, what do you think is an ideal uh, SDR process or an outreach campaign should be? And uh, most important, how should we really align it with our sales stack? 
There are a few really great sources for sales tech stack information. I mean, one is obviously G2 Crowd, where you can get a sense of, of kind of what's out there and, and how things rank. Then if you if you were to Google sales tech landscape, there's a, a couple of great ones produced. Uh, one of my favorite ones, it's called Nancy Nardin, N-A-R-D-I-N, Smart Selling Tools. And she's got this taxonomy of of all the sales tech that's out there. And there is a there's a lot. I mean, it is an eye chart to look at it. You know, to your specific question about SDR tech stack, I mean, I can talk to you a little bit about our own tech stack, right? That so would be interesting. Yep. Everything starts with, you obviously need to know your ICP, your ideal customer profile. So everything starts with figuring out what accounts actually line up to your ICP. And we use a few sources for account identification. One of them is ZoomInfo which is very common and very popular for doing that. That gives us most companies. Uh, we also supplement that with a few other sources. In particular, we use Crunchbase for some of the, the smaller company information. ZoomInfo provides us with most, probably you know, most of what we need. And so now, now you've got the accounts. The next piece is you need to find the people within the accounts. And really two big sources for that. We continue on with Zoom Info, which does provide us with people information. In particular, they have phone numbers, emails, and, and so on. We have used other providers in the past that were also quite useful for that. And then we supplement that with LinkedIn Sales Navigator. So I think that's an absolutely essential part of any B2B sales tech stack. I think those those two pieces are, are, are pretty common for doing that. So now you've got your accounts, you've got your contacts, now you need to actually do something with them. So the the next step in that flow, we use our, I think the expression these days is, is drink your own champagne. So I don't want to be promotional on this podcast, but SalesLoft is a sales engagement platform. So that allows us to execute multi-channel, multi-touch campaigns. So the the channels would be things like email, social, phone and even direct mail which is kind of coming back into vogue so that that the platform and any sales engagement platform will allow you to execute those types of touches so i think for sdrs in particular that's really critical and once the opportunities get created then you know you got salesforce and other complementary opportunity management tools that are out there so i think just i'll stop there for sdrs cuz there's so much other tech but i think if you've got a source of accounts a source of contacts a sales engagement platform, and then somewhere to manage the, you know, just get the opportunity started. That's pretty much it. I guess if there, if there were one other thing, it's probably a lot of that has to do with outbound. There's obviously inbound SDRs as well. And on the inbound side, you need some marketing automation platform combined with a lead routing platform. So we use, we use a couple things. We use Chili Piper, we use Orcado. I think that's most of it. Well, I mean, that's very well explained, I would say, and that's insightful too. So continuing further, I would say, would you please also tell us about how does the perfect sales stack look like? Or I would say, what could be the key points to remember while you're preparing or you're trying to build a sales stack? I'll start by saying that there really just is so much out there. I really would start with what's the problem you're trying to solve, right? And to the extent possible, what do you ex expect the ROI to be? There are certain things you can't live without. Like if you're B2B seller, you really can't live without it. those things I talked about before, which is account information, contact information, sales engagement, and a CRM. Like I think that's the base to, <laughs> you know, to being successful. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of other things that you can tack on to that. If I had to kind of hit at a few of the major categories, I do think that being able to record your meetings is incredibly valuable. So we do have that embedded in our platform, but there are other great meeting recording partners out there like 
Chorus or Zoom or ExecVision, like I think that's a fairly essential coaching and learning platform that's out there. I think a lot of people also do have some sort of sales. You know, we've talked about sales engagement. There's also a very similar to sounding term, which is sales enablement, which is the in the training world. So I think that a hard to compute ROI on training, but I, I do think that sales enablement platforms that are out there are are also essential. We happen to use Lessonly, but I've used MindTickle in the past. And you know, there's plenty of great tech out there, Showpad, Brain Shark. I mean, the list goes on and on. So I think that's also a fairly essential piece. So yeah, there's there are definitely definitely other categories, but that, that gets at some of them. Yeah, I'm sure the audiences would have a clear idea what it takes to have an ideal stack. While we are talking about the sales stack and this, what are the things that we can do with it? Now, what are the common implementation mistakes that enterprises do? That's the core aspect out here. How do we really get to it? Yeah, so if you're going to adopt a uh, you know sales engagement platform, or I would say this, I'll get back to that. What is strategy, right? Like strategy is people, process, and technology. So the tech is is probably the simplest thing. You just procure that and then go through relatively rapid implementation from at least a technology point of view. I think where the complexity lies is most definitely in the people and the process. So uh, in, in many ways, I do think you should define your process even before you're going to buy some sort of a tool. So at the very high level, you know, let's just say you're talking about prospecting. I mean, that process may be the processes for how you route and handle inbound leads and then you know your expectations for the amount of outbound demand that you're you're trying to develop and within that there's lots of processes those multi-touch multi-channel cadences what messaging you're going to use like there's a lot of work that goes into that part of the even pre-implementation before you buy tech or during, or the implementation that you go through there and then I think on the people side if it's something that you have not use before if people are just using an email tool and a calendar tool, right? Or your, your Google tech stack or, a, or Microsoft stack, whatever it is for, for email and calendar. Like if you're just using that stuff or just using Salesforce, there's, there's definitely a change management curve and it will make people's lives easier, but humans are naturally resistant to testing new things. So I think just be mindful when you're going to lead these changes. It's not just buy tech and then expect that to change your organization overnight. You really do need to think about all all three of those facets. Yeah. One quick question that pops up to my mind is, does it really require a huge budgeting that needs to be done for this kind of sales stack? Because it's a process, right? Overall, which where we acquire things at specific intervals to make sure the process flows seamlessly. So what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, I really think of it as, as very much a return on investment decision, which is, and I think people should kind of calculate that and know what percentage of their expected revenue they are going to spend on technology. Uh, no, it doesn't need to be. And you can also ease into most of these things, right? It's hard to ease into CRM because that's sort of a big production, if you will. But you can certainly ease into most of these other tools with single user licenses. You know, I think in the case of Zoom Info, they even have a free version you can use as long as you're willing to give data back to them. I think that's how they work there. But otherwise, you can purchase individual licenses, data with with LinkedIn Sales Navigator, data with Sales Loft. We do have a minimum number of licenses, but it's it's you know to get started is pretty accessible for most companies. 
I think marketers are yet to explore its potential. But yeah, I mean, that's quite insightful, I would say. For more understanding, would you please share some, uh, you know, sales stack optimization examples or like a use case or a case study from your experiences? Yeah, I mean, we do a lot of data science, right? So we have well over a billion interactions now between our our customers and their customers. And we do a significant amount of analysis to understand what's working and what's not working. So just, I mean, very, very tactically, I'll give an example as we've talked a couple of times about multi-touch, multi-channel cadences. So a couple of things that maybe two or three things that people can do. One is with respect to the design of the cadence, we you know, recommend that you space your touches out. And I'll refer to this. It's, it's Mathematically, it's a, a slight variation on a Fibonacci sequence, but oh wow, a much easier way to refer to this is like, think about plus one. So you might execute touches on day one, just add one, you get day two. And then you add two, you get day four, add three, day seven, add four, day 11, add five, day 16. So one, two, four, seven, 11, 16. So, so you might sequence your touches that way. And the reason you do that is because if you just sort of hit people on a regular pattern, they may be kind of numb to it. Whereas if you're spreading it out, you're in theory creating some demand and showing that you have this degree of persistence. So that first thing is just spread out your touches basically. And that is a sort of rule of thumb that you can follow for that. The second piece of advice I would have is, you know, marketers are obviously very keen on A-B testing. So you obviously want to A-B test these sorts of things, but we looked into subject lines and we found that one word subject lines work the best. And there was like, what's the magic word? I'm often asked. It's not that there is one word necessarily that works. The, the, what we've actually found is that when companies use their own name, so let's say you are selling to me and you just put demand matrix in there as the subject line, okay. that actually probably is one of your best possible subject lines. Wow. So if I was selling to you, I'd put sales loft to just use your own company name as opposed to like their first name or their company name or whatever. So that tends to be the most effective. And then the third and, and final sort of optimization tip is buyers right now are so inundated with people trying to sell to them. We have analyzed how much, what percentage of an email should be personalized. And we found that you can increase your reply rate by a factor of two. So you can double your reply rate if you personalize about 20% of the email that 20% could be anywhere. Usually it's in the beginning and there's some great tips out there for kind of how to do that. But most of that personalization, I think, can be driven off of either content that your prospect is generating. I mean, if you're selling to marketers, pretty good chance that they're generating content. And then if you're selling to other folks, hopefully, you know, they're active on LinkedIn. If not, then you can move off of content that they generated to, you know, content about their company and so on. But you do want to try to personalize. So those are three optimization tips. Really, really awesome. And I'm sure by now the sales stack concept is actually clear for our audiences. So by far, there must be different factors contributing to sales stack. And uh, specifically, I would like to know what do you think about intent data? How does it add a value to the concept, basically? Yeah. So, I mean, I think intent is the hot thing right now. We traditionally have worked with demographic information, firmographic information, you know, maybe even some sort of behavioral information of people consuming content and so on. But I, obviously, the new frontier is in intent data. And I do split intent into two pieces, first party intent, 
and third-party intent. So first-party intent is people actually coming to your website. And, you know, there's great tools for, for tracking that sort of behavior. So if you got a whole bunch of different people from a given company coming to your website and you're able to map back using IP addresses or whatever other technologies that you're using to map to companies, that is an incredible signal for you. And then the third-party intent data, right, is anytime people are, say, searching for similar terms, reading content about your space, going on G2 Crowd, uh, that sort of thing. So equally great signal. So I, I think one of the new frontiers, obviously, is marketing has been very quick to adopt intent data. And now I think there's this incredible opportunity to prioritize leads. And those leads, by I mean, it's not just leads, but prioritize accounts, right? I mean, we're living now in an account-based world. So to notify account executives that, hey, this company is showing high interest, high intent to explore what your company and your product does. So I think there's this incredible opportunity to use intent for, for that purpose. Some of the firmographic and demographic information tell you who, but the intent data tells you when. Yeah, that means intent data is like a must uh, in today's days for the marketplace. I can bet this on this. Most of the people must be wanting to know if there is a process to measure the revenue ROI post sales stack implementation. Yeah, there is definitely a process to do that. The best way to do it, obviously, and it's just like A-B testing, right, which is before you implement a particular element of your tech stack to set a baseline, and I think those baselines are along a number of key performance indicators of KPIs. If you're talking about sales engagement and prospecting in particular, you might benchmark a few things, right? If you follow the progression, I, I like, there's a great framework out there from a couple of books. One is called Cracking the Sales Management Code and, and it, the, by the same author is a follow-on book called Crushing Quota. And they talk about a, effectively a three-part KPI framework. The first is activity. And I'm going to change their terminology a little bit, but the first is activity. The, the second one is effectiveness. And then the third one is results. In some ways, effectiveness is is like that, you know, results divided by activity. But if you sort of take that, you baseline, you say, okay, for my team, how many activities are they executing per person? And then the intermediate stage is, okay, how many opportunities do they generate per activity? And then ultimately, the, you know, the results is the, the closed one revenue or bookings that they've generated. So you baseline that before you implement some significant new sales strategy inclusive of tech stack elements and then obviously do it afterwards. So you're really after the incremental ROI from that. So you know, the usual experience with something like you know, if you were to put in whatever Zoom info, LinkedIn, Sales Nav, and Sales Engagement platform like sales loft, you would be able to do that kind of before and after analysis and see how your activity has increased, see how your opportunity conversion rate has increased, and then see how ultimately your revenue has increased. So that's how I would go about it. That's great. So lastly, I mean, just talking about like a little bit of demand metrics. So as you know, we are a technographics and intent data player. So do you think we can, in this whole process, uh, how do you think we can contribute to the strong sales stack? Maybe just a few few thoughts over there. Yeah, I like to speak generally about companies, but I think on those on both those pieces, we talked a little bit about intent data. 
So knowing that first party intent data and knowing that third party intent data is critical. As I understand it, you guys are, are heavily focused on the, the third party intent data, which is the part that companies really struggle to get. So either to the extent that you guys can supply marketing teams and sales teams with great data that tells what companies and or individuals are actually looking for solutions and then help get that like right under the nose of the sellers so that they can engage those companies. I think that's, uh, that's incredible valuable. And then we didn't talk so much about the other piece you mentioned, which is technographics. Yeah. And like, that's also, I mean, if you think about our business, we do support a variety of CRMs. Our technology rides on top of, uh, of, of CRM, but the vast majority of our business sits on top of Salesforce as a, you know, a key kind of complement and partner to what they do. So using us as an example, like we're constantly hungry to figure out what companies actually use Salesforce because that's just much, much easier implementation, much, much easier sell than if someone's using a more exotic CRM, less common CRM. So I think for a lot of companies, especially in the tech space, there often are tech prerequisites that companies need to have in order for them to be viable. Uh, even more than that, though, we've run some statistical analysis on what sorts of technologies companies might have that are actually predictive of whether an account is a good account. So like by way of example, even though we don't require that our customers have a marketing automation platform, if a target company does, there's actually a much, much higher propensity that they'll become a client. So knowing that is incredibly important. Conversely, it's sort of interesting. If, if companies have certain tech stacks, that actually is a sign that that's a bad potential account. So an example of that in our world is... Uh, there are certain web hosting providers that are they're more sort of down market. They're more consumer grade, I guess, is the way to put it, as opposed to business grade web hosting. So if people have certain web hosting providers, it actually is a signal to us that they're unlikely to purchase. Or another one is that there are certain kind of because we don't sell much to retail. So if people have certain retail technologies in their stack, that also is a sign. So, you know, we really rely heavily on technographic information to figure out what are good and bad accounts. So I think both intent data and technographic data are both absolutely essential. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for this important piece of information on sales tech stack. I'm pretty sure that the audience will now have a clear insight about the concept and its implementation. I truly appreciate you took time to be with us on this show from your busy schedule. It was really wonderful having you on the show and exchanging some really cool sales tech ideas. We will have you sometime back again because we really want to do this episode series with you. So... Till then, have a sunny day, Jeremy, and thank you, audience. Stay tuned to our podcast, Sunny Side Up. <laughs>